You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, welcome to episode 119 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons Podcast Network, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more for the Overwatch League in Season 4. My name is Ramses. Thanks for hanging out with us if you're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash mashthosebuttons on Sunday nights, or if you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, whatever you're doing, we appreciate you. Follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod and leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you like to use. We read each review live out on the show. We're trying to get a couple more reviews before the end of the season comes in, so make sure to get them in while you still can. I mean, nothing will stop you, but before the deadline helps us out a lot. I'm Ramses. Like I said, I am joined by Labosca. We're burning the midnight oil here. It is midnight where he is. It's 1030 where I am. And there's a lot more to discuss this week, Lobo, than I think than I initially thought there was. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't get to go into detail about the games last week, so we're going to be able to really dive into them this week. And there's a, a, a few like smaller news stories that are at least worth mentioning. And then, of course, you know, our weekly update that we've been giving about ABK and and just what's going on with the employees so so there's still plenty for us to do today um (laughs) and and there's i'm i'm excited to like really dive into the matchups because we didn't do that a whole lot last week with howler although thanks to howler for coming on again last week because it was that's my boy and he helped me out in final fantasy 14 i was trying to get like something done that like nobody like queues up for so his guild was gracious enough to help me finish uh, some stuff I was doing there. So thanks for that, Howler. Howler is the boy. We appreciate He's the man. This is true. Okay, so we have a couple of things to get into. Number one, kick, uh, starting off with just an update on ABK. Um, Pink News uh, UK actually put out a article earlier this week on September 6th, um, just updating that it's been a significant amount of time since the initial demands from both Activision Blizzard employees and from Ubisoft employees. And we still haven't heard any sort of answer, any sort of acknowledgement from either company. Um, you have a better Ubisoft and Ubisoft, excuse me, and a better ABK um, still kind of fighting the good fight and really pushing for follow up, pushing for answers from these big companies, but still radio silence. Yeah. So we 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 sort of went over a tweet that came out on the second last week, um, but that tweet's brought up here because the four like main things that a better Activision Blizzard employees want is there. So kind of we'll show that if you read this article, which of course we'll have the link like always. But it's nice too because like this article kind of coincides and brings in a better Ubisoft too. It's sort of on the same sort of um, marching path as Activision Blizzard. I wouldn't be surprised if they they, uh, you know, in solidarity, do something together eventually if things continue to be unanswered because their demands are very similar for both uh, um, groups of employees. So I- I'm really curious and excited, not excited, but like happy that like there's another group of people in a similar situation in the same industry who are there to support people. And we'll have a better understanding of like what's going on internally than people like, you know, you and me, Ramsey's who are on the outside. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's on one hand, it's really kind of horrifying and frustrating to see that, like we talked about, that these sorts of that these sorts of accusations and this sort of behavior is so rampant across major companies just everywhere throughout the gaming industry. But seeing people come together and make their voices heard, make their demands known in such a public fashion is really, I think, pushing things on a better track. I think it's at least helping things a little bit. Like you can tell that like people at um, Activision Blizzard are starting to get really serious about this too, because, and this is not that they weren't serious before this. It's just, this is another thing that they're doing to sort of keep engagement, keep things going on. They have created a subreddit for a better ABK where they've got different resources on things that they can do. And they they even have like a um, update on stats. So, you know, this is a purpose built account, too, that they've made. And any updates on current number membership of a better APK, uh, current ex-employees, you know, if if they like background, people can reach out to them and just keep at it that they're not alone. So it's it's just something else to keep eyes on what's happening. It doesn't have a lot of members yet, but you can be sure that there's probably a lot of employees that are part of this. <laughs> we got Asia in the chat telling us it's time to sleep. I know it's definitely time to sleep, at least for Lobo, but I think the thing that we always have to remember is that we're on Gremlin hours that I know he'll be up for at least another little bit of time. I probably will be as well. I don't work tomorrow either. So like I can be up. So it, I don't work till 11. So I'm on the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't work tomorrow. I can be up as late as I want. I can be as angry as I want about the bears game too. And, and then, you know, supporting and doing these things. So yeah, not so bad. Not so bad for, for us to be doing it now. We got news from KSF earlier this week, uh DPS player with the Houston outlaws. Um, he made an announcement that he's going to be retiring. Uh, in his twit longer, he uh, he kind of clarified that he knew this year was going to be his last year as an Overwatch pro. I uh, want to do one more season to end things on a good note. He had he's had medical issues that complicated things early on uh, that have happened throughout the whole season, and it kind of made it hard for him to really hit what he wanted to. Um, but which is kind of unfortunate. Be, yeah, like he's a guy who definitely like could have contributed pretty well i think to some of the things that maybe houston could have done um like happy happy and dante were great but like there there's certain like niches that ksf sort of fits into that it's unfortunate we didn't get to see what what this team really could have done if if he didn't have those medical issues that he was having to deal with all season mm-hmm. as for what's coming next uh he's not really sure he is going to be taking a break and reevaluating what he wants in life and give himself a, a nice breather, a nice break. Uh, he'll still be streaming. Uh, of course, people are already trying to make the assumption, oh, well, is he going to go to Valorant? What's he going to do? What? We'll see. Um, Loba and I were talking about this before the show that he has. I think with his hero set, I would argue that it was kind of hard for him to find a permanent like slot on an Overwatch team because he's one of those guys who has some good hit scan heroes, but also some good projectile heroes that I think something like Valorant would be very good for him. But who knows? Maybe he pursues that. Maybe he does something else entirely. I think at the very least, like his health is most important, like for whatever he decides to do. So what does he have to do to keep himself healthy? Maybe he's never able to play again in the mm-hmm. competitive way that he wants to. 
maybe it's better for him to go other routes. That might be it. It might not. It depends on how manageable whatever's been going on is for him, too, I guess. I don't really know exactly what medically ha- has been wrong for KSF. He hasn't said anything. No. Yeah, I don't think it's been. It's not public information. This isn't like the NFL or something where or uh, may- maybe the better league would be like the MLB where like if somebody like stubs their pinky toe, like you know about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, we, we don't have that in esports cause well, injuries don't really happen very often. And the injuries that do are kind of kept behind closed doors. So the, um, I, I'm, it's unfortunate that this is sort of the way that it comes to a close for KSF. Cause he definitely was a guy with some talent, but it, I, I'm just excited for whatever he decides to do next, because I definitely think he's a talented guy and he'll figure out something. Mm-hmm. Uh, some news out of the Florida Mayhem camp. Uh, Flats has officially joined the Mayhem as a content creator. Um, he's somebody who is one of the more one of the more active of watch streamers. I think one of the people who there still has a significant fan base within the game. Also, one of the more both educational but also really positive guys in the in the in the sphere, from my knowledge. So. I'm excited for him. I think this is a good this is a a good guy getting a good opportunity. Yeah, and he's you know, he's friends with a lot of those other big Overwatch content creators too. Like you'll see him I think he plays with um Emong a lot. Yeah, Emong is one and he plays with a couple other guys a lot too. But Emong in particular, like those two kind of it's gonna really like this is one thing that kind of sucks about when Overwatch 2 comes around because they were a tank duo, right? That's mm-hmm. gonna be gone, you know? Like there's no tank duoing when you get to that point so so that kind of sucks but i do like flats content i've watched some of his youtube stuff i don't i don't really watch his stream but i've definitely indulged in some of his youtube stuff uh there's some funny he he makes some funny videos too where where they don't like they don't rib on people they don't rib on the person but like the gameplay they'll they'll watch and they'll they'll uh like watch like lower level play and stuff at times and it's pretty funny so it, it's yeah. uh he's got some good stuff so i'm i'm definitely happy to see him get part of because they've got some you know with him and a vast like that's a pretty good group of guys that you're gonna have working that you can have working on different content stuff for florida and we all know mm-hmm. Thibbledork too friend of the show so he he uh he gets to work with those guys a little bit more close now so that'll be cool Quick note, a bunch of the All-Star skins from past seasons are returning for a limited time from September 7th through the 26th. So if you want them, go get them. I don't remember the names of the skins, but the um the All-Stars like Genji and Tracer from season 1, like the I almost want to call it a Toa from Bionicle, but like the the Tiki one and then like the Atlantis, the Tiki Genji and the Atlantis Tracer, the Knight Lucio and or like the day Lucio and night mercy. I don't know what you called them or like sun and moon almost from season two. And then the four spirit Reinhardt and the, like, I don't know what you would call the diva one, the blue and white one. I don't know. It's a cool diva skin. That's all I know. There's going to be extended viewer rewards during the playoffs as well. But yeah, those are all back for a limited time. So grab them if you want them. Yeah, I, I, think i have most of the ones that i want from those so i don't know how many coins i have accumulated over the year to see if i can maybe grab one more or something i think i want to i would like to get the diva one uh yeah that's the only other one i really need i'd like i like the um the genji one but i don't know 
I have so many good Genji skins, Lobo, and I'm just so bad at that here at that character. Genji has an embarrassment of riches when it comes to skins. Like he has so yeah. many good ones. Like there's the Power Ranger one. There, there, there's a bunch. Like, like he's got the like the Black Watch Genji skin, which is really cool too. Where it's like part of his body is visible. He's got a bunch of cool stuff. Like Genji's Genji skins is it's like whatever. And and yeah, I guess if you're not playing him much, what what does it matter though too? Uh, some more news about well, some player news. Guangzhou Charge announced that after thoughtful consideration and communication with Jihun, we are announcing that Jihun, Jihun Kim. Uh, that's just funny. I love it when players name themselves after their name. I'm then, the like, same just, way. <laughs> like Chris Labosco, Labosco. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he will be joining our academy team, Up Academy, as a two-way player. The ball is rolling into the scene. Let's do some wrecking and contenders. <laughs> I forgot it still has Guangzhou Charge X Herbalife Nutrition <laughs> over in the corner of that ad. Um, Jihan's had an interesting career in, in professional Overwatch. The guy was a pickup for Chengdu Hunters in season two, I think. Spent so much of the season waiting to get into the league to actually play. There was a whole joke about Jihan. I think I remember hearing that was on Weibo on like jihan having to swim across the pacific ocean to finally get to the la to actually play oh yeah that's right and then he never did he play like one game or something i think so yeah it, it's been really weird because like he gets onto the charge and then god how much did he play on the charge i don't even remember not that much i think he's been a backup this whole time right yeah because i think it was rio and it was krong the entire time yeah jihan did rio man yeah it, well what can Rio do like the, the, the when you look at the charge, they should have been better than what they were. Uh, I yeah. still I still kind of feel that way. But regardless of that, like this kind of makes it this moves makes sense. Like if you you believe in Jihan as like a future tank player, I mean, he is only 19. So. Put him on your your academy team, give him playing time because he didn't get it when he was with the main team. It makes sense to move him to a two-way contract. Mm-hmm. Looking as well in that neck of the woods, um, there was some major news coming out of China this week, actually. Um, from what we've been observing, it seems like the Chinese government is stepping up to be more active in how the Chinese population kind of interacts with entertainment, whether that's with movies because there was some news that came out about that, or with games. Uh, the Chinese government placed a ban on gaming for more than three hours per week for under eight for people under 18. Uh, we have an article in our show notes that you can find from Reuters talking about how, as part of a stringent social intervention program, um, which they claim is needed to pull a plug on a growing addiction to what was once described as spiritual opium. Um Gaming is incredibly popular in China. Um, I think the move being that so many, like it's so prevalent and so it's such a huge part of the lives of children. So now um, people under 18 will be only allowed to play for one hour a day, which is 8 PM to 9 PM on only Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. They can also play for one hour at the same time on public holidays. I, I just shake my head at something like this. Like, Maybe limiting things is is like better, but th- to limit them to this amount, like did the people who make this ever play a video game before? Like one hour, sometimes it takes you an hour just to get into a game with your friends. Like, how do they how do they determine 
when they've hit an hour of time or is it just that like servers well, like are- it says 8 p.m to 9 p.m that's what i'm saying like like how do they how do they know like how do they c- cut off all of the gaming services you know what i mean like gaming companies it says in the article, gaming p- companies will be barred from providing services to minors in any form outside the stipulated hours and must ensure they have put real name verification p- systems in place, said the regulator, which oversees the country's video games market. Which is, I mean, that's something that like you, you, you have a lot of um, in a lot of countries not named the U.S. where like you, you do have an account that's tied to you specifically. Like that's nothing new. So I, I'm not surprised that they have the ability to regulate this, although I'm sure there'll there'll be kids who will find a way around it eventually. Like kids find a way. I, I think mm-hmm. like I, I think back to like my days in high school when they started like blocking us from going to websites and we figured out ways to get around the the firewalls and stuff that they were putting on at our school in high school. Like I'm sure that these kids are going to to do the same thing. I think that the limit is pretty ridiculous and, and it, it's just like the crazy thing is, is this actually affecting competition, though, too? Not really for Overwatch League, but I know for other um, leagues, there are players that are under 18 that now are stuck with these limits. I think it has come into play for Contenders China, actually. Yeah, if this is going to sev- I would argue, Lobo, and please tell me if I'm wrong. I would argue this is severely going to stunt the growth of Chinese talent for the league going forward. Yeah, because a lot of the players who are on these contender China's teams are under 18. So, yeah, it's definitely going to stifle the talent because they're not going to be playing as much as people like there are kids in high school in the U.S. who will be who are, you know, playing eight hours plus a day. It, It is a advantage to those kids now because. They now get more time to hone their skills. That doesn't mean that Chinese players are going to completely be, you know, blocked out of the league or something. But the the Chinese government is definitely doing them no service as far as players that have aspirations to be a a professional player. I get what they're trying to do. I just don't think that they are um, going about it with the right way. Like there's you got to rely on the parents somewhat like that's one thing I don't understand is like the government stepping in to control something that the parents should already be controlling anyways. It's just, I mean, working in schools for so long, I definitely have run into that where like you have plenty of parents who are like, what's that? I can, I don't have to take responsibility for the content. My kid take takes in. Like, I don't have to take responsibility for how my kid spends their time. Awesome. Like it's, and they're, they're, I think an angle with this too from China is that they really are. There's a quote from an, an MPPA spokesperson saying that teenagers are the future of our motherland. Protecting the physical and mental health of minors is related to the people's vital interests and relates to the cultivation of the younger generation in the era of natural rejuvenation. That's a big bunch of like gobbledygook for pretty much meaning that they are, they want to ensure that they, that Chinese kids grow up to be grow up according to what they want. I get it's hard to like the, so when they, the thing is, is like the, you know, the way I look at this, I look at this as like, did you know kids who like went to like private um, school all the way up till they got to college? Mm-hmm. 
What happened once they hit college? Oh, they struggled. But why did they struggle? What was it that they were doing? They never actually interacted with the real world, or they never actually interacted with everything with any with anything not in their sheltered environment. Right. So, what is it that they leaned heavily into doing from that that they were never able to do prior to that? Right. They go partying. They go. They go hard into partying. Like I yeah. know so many people who like completely just went off the the deep end once they they became of age. They were away at college. Their parents weren't around to control their lives anymore. And then all of a sudden they're going crazy, you know, it, 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 it doesn't always work out the way that you think it is. So I, I, I think it's very short sighted what they're doing, you know, that they're not seeing, they're not seeing the, the bigger picture here is that you're going to have a bunch of 18 year old kids who finally get to play video games for as long as they want. And that's all they're going to want to do. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're you're probably hurting things more than than you realize. Apparently, previously, China had limited the length of time under 18s could play video games to 1.5 hours on any day and three hours on holidays under the 2019 rules. Which is at least so, better, but I, I wonder how long... I wonder why that, that stopped, because they know the limit wasn't there till now. According to state media, about 62.5% of Chinese minors often play games online and 13.2% of underage mobile game users play mobile games for more than two hours a day on working days. I do wonder as well, a lot of what Blizzard, a lot of Blizzard's business strategy, both with Overwatch as a game and just with the Overwatch League has been focused around China. And I wonder how that's going to affect their strategy going forward, seeing that there's much more, there's much harsher limits on how the Chinese public can even interact with the products they're putting out there. Are they going to stop buying the products though? I don't know. I don't think they are. So I don't think it's going to hurt those businesses as much as people think. Cause those, you know, those kids are going to get their, their, their time in their money's worth for that time that they play, that they do get to play. Like, I don't think that changes. I do think that you do, um, do the one thing that's the worst thing to do with teenagers, which is you tell them they can't have something and then they want it even more. Mm-hmm. I think it's I, I just don't think it's it's a good thing that they're doing. I don't think it's going to have the results they're looking for. I think they're going to do the exact opposite. I mean, think about think about like metal in the United States when they were trying to limit music. Like all it did was make people lean more into it. I, I think it's going to do the same thing in China. Mm hmm. Right there with you. All right. And then one more announcement actually to talk about really quick. Earlier this week, um, Overwatch League announced that Overwatch Collegiate will be coming to will, will be coming a reality in the near future. Um, Overwatch Collegiate is the premier competitive experience for students in North America. Party up with friends to face off against the best college teams and players across the continent. Only one team can bring home your Overwatch Collegiate Championship. Do you have what it takes? Fall preseason kicks off in October with the Overwatch Collegiate Homecoming, a two-month open tournament season where students of all skill levels or form teams representing their schools, school pride, and US and $27,600 in prizing is on the line. So read up below and form your team. There'll be future announcements coming out. Uh, it's a three-phase tournament featuring a Swiss round, a group stage event, and playoffs that all lead to the season finals. Eight to ten rounds of Swiss style competition will produce top 32 teams. Provide, who will be invited to a group stage. Top 32 teams seeded into eight groups of four based on their record and compete for spot in playoffs. 
Final 16, single elimination bracket, bracket culminating in a title match to decide which team will be crowned Overwatch Collegiate Homecoming Champion. Now, Labosca. Um, oh, it looks like this. Oh, the signups are at certain points. So, off the bat, it's really cool that Blizzard is paying more attention to the collegiate scene, especially as we've seen a lot of talent that wasn't contenders sort of shifting to collegiate teams. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, I understand why that talent went there, though, too, like scholarship opportunities. And I mean, they're probably getting more money in that sort of sense from a collegiate team than whatever they would be getting in, in con- on a contenders team that's like, you know, somebody is the general manager who's put this team together and just, you know, trying to, to get what they can. And I think part of this also has to do with the fact that like buyouts have been less common by teams now. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're really trying to get around the buyouts. So from that perspective, too, it makes more sense that the collegiate team uh, model would be something that like Overwatch League would be behind because you're not going to have to buy out somebody from a college team more than likely is my guess. Mm-hmm. So I think it works out for not just people who are just trying to get in and, and, you know, they can get a scholarship and whatever, but it's also going to work on the other end for the overwatch league, because if every player is coming for, I mean, listen, let's just look at, just look at the, the NBA, the NFL, just look at any major sport in America. Uh, they don't have to buy out contracts from people on those who are coming from college because they're amateurs, you know, like, like you can see the parallels that are being done here, especially to the NFL is the one that I really see the Overwatch League continually push closer and closer to with, with as far as like certain models that they're kind of modeling things after. And I mean, I, I'm really happy for the collegiate scene that they're getting this visibility and everything. But I also understand that there's a bigger picture to look at here, too. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like. So we've talked about how I mean, not what we've talked about. I've seen a couple people talk about how these schedules don't necessarily line up well with the collegiate lifestyle. I've seen people have questions or concerns as far as like how this is going to work with like a traditional class schedule. I haven't looked at the schedules enough to know about that part, but like if that's the case, then that's not good on Blizzard's part, right? Like that's 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 something that you got to I'm a little bit surprised that they wouldn't be more conscientious of. I don't know if this is um you know the Tespa this almost feels like something I, I wonder how it would have been handled if if Tespa was still around. I know Tespa had other problems that were much bigger. Um, especially with people who were in charge there and abusing their authority. Obviously, that's part of the ABK stuff, if you don't know. Um, but regardless of that, I, 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 I'm really disappointed that they maybe wouldn't think a little bit more about uh, the target demographic, I guess you could say, that they're looking at. But looking at the times, I mean, it's not... It's a little early, but it's not the the worst thing in the world from what I'm looking at as far as times. The dates are a little bit weird, but. Because it's on. It's Fridays and Saturdays. I don't know. I, I think maybe if they're talking about social lives of college students, then maybe. But yeah, it'll be 
it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think after hearing about just the the frustrations people had with the running of contenders in the past couple months, I'm wondering if I mean, part of me wants to think like, oh, well, like they were shirking that because they wanted to focus on this. But at the same time, that doesn't really make that much sense when you really think about it for more than like five seconds. Yeah, so, that, that makes no sense at all because like uh, it's a con- justifying rather than like what actually happened. All right. That's just trying to find out. Yeah, the, the, there's there's no justifications for some of the problems that had happened. Right. Like like um, hard headed tournament organizers or or not even the organizers, but like hard headed. Um, not a, they weren't officials. Whatever they were, whatever their title was of the people who were kind of controlling some of the things happening in games. And then like. I, I'm i just a little bit surprised that there, there wasn't a little bit more oversight to make sure things like that don't happen. In contenders. Eh, I hate to be I hate to say it, my friend, but this is Blizzard <laughs> again. I, I'm not expecting them to like have a lot of oversight, but a little bit more than what they have is a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. Right there with you. Alrighty, my friend, we're here. We're going into the playoffs. This is so weird. Literally next week is going to be the last week of the Overwatch league season. And I mean, maybe there'll be an all-star grouping at some point. I have no idea. Um, Next week will be playoffs and then the grand finals. It's so weird to think about. I'm so used to there being like playoffs and then like a two week break and then grand finals. But yeah, it, it's really weird. Um, <laughs> God, we have so much time. It, it's so funny. I For some reason, I thought the games were starting sooner than they are. Too. And like we get like a lot of time to break down what's going to be happening. Like we get this week and we get next week. Well, so let's take like a you and I didn't get to discuss the games last week since I wasn't able to make it. Mm-hmm. But let's take like a brief look at the matchups. And then as I'm sure we'll get more news over the next week, I think we can make our solid like predictions, like final stamp. Yeah. On next week's episode. Yeah, since we have the time. So let's go match number one, which is gonna be September twenty first, which is a Tuesday. Ooh. Yeah, and that's when all the games start. It's so, and all the games are on that day for the first set of games. So we'll go in time order. Um, first game is going to be match number three. Oh, match number okay. three. It's really weird how they have this set up. I know match number three is technically match number one. Well, because they they went in based off of who picked two. I understand. It's based off of seating is what you're looking at for the bracket, but the times of the games are different. So the first match of the day will be the Washington Justice versus the Dallas Fuel, September 21st at 4 p.m. I was Labosco. I was talking with a buddy of mine who was working at esports for a little bit. Um, We were discussing. He had a friend of his who apparently spent some time either working with or for or who had some connection to the Washington justice at some point. Uh-huh. Um, and we were talking about it and I was telling him cause he didn't know that much about the team that every year somehow this team has managed to r- catch fire at the very end of the season. Three years ago, two, sorry, two years ago it was with San Sam on the road hog and Corey hitting ridiculous Hanzo shots from across the map. Um, last year it was decay and, Jongu and not Jongu, why am I forgetting? Janu, excuse me. Decay and Jongu, Janu and Stitch getting signed to 
Noji, Decay, Janu, and Stitch getting signed to Washington last minute and making a, a last minute run with Roadhog and Zarya and Ash. Like this year, I don't know if like it's not that the run last week was like incredible from them necessarily or like logic defying. I think a lot of that is just Houston kind of crap in the bed at the end of it. I think Washington played well, though, in that game, too. I mean, yeah, Houston didn't close it out, but I, I don't think it was as much of like Houston losing as it was. It was like a combination of Houston losing it a little bit, but Washington also doing a lot to win it. Like, I, I think what we saw here is, oh, we don't have a hero pool anymore. And now, like, they can play some of their better heroes for some of these guys. And all of a sudden, they look like a much better team like they had earlier in the year shocker right like that's what it is more so to me than and also wrecking ball getting nerfed a little bit with the the rollout stuff change and then the winston bubble getting longer duration i think those two factors made mag more significant right so Mm -hmm. you now have the player who you want playing winston on your team who is probably the number two winston in the league you know, maybe number one or number three or number four, whatever. He's the top Winston in the league and Mag gets to play Winston exclusively, basically. And the other hero he's good at in Reinhardt. That that's a major boon for them. They don't have to worry about wrecking ball the way that they had before. And you get to throw Decay on something where he can make an impact with the Winston in the tracer. And surprise, surprise, they look really, really good that way. Your deficiencies with with Bebe and Closer aren't as important. Closer actually played pretty well because he gets to play the hero that he's best at, which is the Lucio. So shocker, three players get to play their best. You know, Decay's amazing at everything, but but two of your players who are important to your team's success get to play the heroes they're best at. And wow, they look like a different team. Shocker. That that's what that's to me more what it was than anything else. Um, I I I'm. I think more I'm still like floored by how the, the 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 selection show went for us to get to this point where they get to play Dallas like that mm-hmm. to me is still nuts. It's like something to be looking at, too. Like this is not a this is not a game for Dallas to like overlook. Well, they picked them. That's the point I'm making. Like they were the number two. Like so first off, you have the San Francisco shock get picked by the Shanghai Dragons. Like, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Which it, you're floored by anyways, because San Francisco looked really good in the play-ins. And here's Shanghai. We didn't get to do what we wanted to do to them last year. We didn't get to play them. And now here's our revenge. It's just, it's it's craziness. So, so and then you're like, oh, okay. So now, Dallas, you can pick Philadelphia or you can pick Atlanta. And you're like, oh, they'll probably pick Philly because Philly didn't look that great. And then here we are. They're picking Washington. <laughs> and like Washington was also a good choice to pick but at the same time it's like man decay decay bird you once already you gonna do that again yeah but i also see this as a revenge game for dallas against decay as well so i think that's part of why you picked them too and um sparkle had some spicy trash talk so like as far as that part goes like i kind of get picking dallas or washington for dallas like it was them or probably philly i guess would probably be the two that you would probably most likely pick between so it's not like the worst. It's not like they pick San Francisco like another team did, right? That we've already mentioned uh, that I already mentioned. But I think as far as like matchup goes, 
like this is a matchup that has the potential to go either way. I, I don't know if there was like a really good choice for Dallas to pick here. Although I do think Winston being relevant again is going to make Dallas uh, feel a lot better about the series regardless. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at the spots too, like they have like Dallas has not always like, and granted no hero pools where at the end of the season, things are different between Atlanta and Philadelphia and Washington. I still like, I would, I don't want to pick Atlanta. I, I, I agree with you more like fusion looks a little bit more appetizing, but I think you're a more, you're a little bit more experienced against playing with justice. The pick makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, but you trash talk decay. That's a little scary from sparkle. Like sparkle. You're either Michael Jordan in this matchup or, or you're, you're Gary Payton. Which one are you going to be? I'm very curious. Um, going to the next match, Philadelphia fusion versus LA gladiators. I, um, Lavasco, did I tell you that I, so I own a gladiators Jersey from season one. So it has the incorrect colors on it where it's like the weird purple and white outline. Yeah. No, I didn't um, know that. I, I was in the Taco Bell drive through on Friday wearing that Jersey. And I, the guy in there stopped me. It's like, oh man, I hope the Glads win it this year, which was, it was, it's fun to talk about Overwatch League with people. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I hope the Glads win it. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I hope. Like, here's the thing LA right now looks really good. They look super strong. However, I like, you do have to wonder if Philadelphia is catching fire, is finally living up to full potential. They definitely looked a lot better. Like how like Shockwave being there, I think, helped a lot. And like they finally have him integrated in. And Hoppa Hoppa was really, really good. So I, I think that if you're a team, like I don't blame you for picking Philadelphia at all. Mm-hmm. Like I think it makes a lot of sense to do. But I mean the gladiators were in a position where they were just kind of waiting. And it, and it falls in their lap, right? So th- there was like a lot of thoughts that that like Atlanta would be the team that the Gladiators would have to face. So I think you feel a little bit like I think you would still rather have the Gladiators than Atlanta when the whole hero pool opens up, because the areas where we've seen the Gladiators struggle have been when the hero pools when or. The parts where, where the gladiators struggled were when there weren't hero pools. So hero pools gone. Are the gladiators going to be able to play what is looking like maybe the meta composition? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how how is, you know, bird ring has to be a factor. I think that they can. Like, I do think that this is definitely an intriguing matchup. And. I'm not as much worried about the Gladiators in this one. It's whether or not they continue to be that team that we saw win at the end of the the regular season and the final uh, the final tournament. Mm-hmm. The third game of the day, like we talked about, we we alluded to it earlier. San Francisco Shock, Shanghai Dragons. I mean, if you had ta- if we had talked about this last year, like Shanghai picking San Francisco would have been crazy. The two number one seeds picking each other. Um, this is an interesting matchup. I don't know. Like I, 
I really am wondering if Shanghai is going to be able to hang. I'm sorry. Let me change that. I'm really wondering if San Francisco is going to be at this is going to be able to stay level with Shanghai during this game. I think if there's a time for them to be level with them, it's now more than ever. Like Shanghai, at least in play-ins, felt like a different team than we've been seeing all year. Like it seemed like they finally had their act together. Like everybody was hitting. Like Ons, the rust is clearly gone. Right, like Ons was a difference maker for them in their their play in games against mm. Toronto. Like, like they they stomped Toronto, right? Like they had no problems at all whatsoever with Toronto, and everybody on the team played well. Like there was there was nobody that you were like, man, they they could have played a little bit better here or there. Like everybody on San Francisco was hitting. Like Glister was hitting all his shots on the McCree. Smurf was playing super good when they had Smurf in. Same thing with Super. Like. Like they they had clear plans for every map that they wanted to play. And they were one of the few teams because we're we're in a little bit of like a rock, paper, scissors thing probably forming where they had the ability to answer with any composition that they wanted. Mm-hmm. So they they are a very scary team to me, even though seeding wise, they weren't a high, you know, a high seed, right? I I I, I I would not have picked them if I was a team. I would have been letting the gladiator see what happens from San Francisco and see, you know, go see them later on if they are able to pass some of the hurdles that are going to be in their way. The fact that they're doing it right at the beginning, like the there's that one song by uh, by ACDC that comes to mind, right? Uh, what is it? Uh, it? Big balls or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the yeah, song that's what it's called. Big Balls from ACDC is what, what comes to mind when I think of the Shanghai Dragons right now. Because, like, you have to have, one, extreme confidence in your team, but two, like, you you are really putting setting yourself up for if you lose this game, there's going to be a lot of talk about why did you pick the San Francisco Shock? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, there was, like, funny the, the funny comparisons with, like, Reinforce and stuff because of the, the whole picking Envy during apex and apex season one and i i don't think it's quite the same because like uh san francisco's a two-time defending champion like envy was pretty good but like rogue was not the same team that shanghai was so so Mm -hmm. it's not quite there but it's pretty darn close in a good comparison and there's definitely some ptsd and reinforces face when he heard that happen so (laughs) that that was uh that was fantastic and I'll tell you what, it gives us a lot to talk about because like this is a very fun matchup and like I'm the the biggest question I have about this matchup is how is San Francisco or sorry, how is um, Shanghai going to be able to ha- handle an anti-dive composition that's probably going to come out and how are they going to be able to handle that the rollouts are changing significantly for the wrecking ball at the beginning of the game? Mm-hmm. If San Francisco was going against any other person in this bracket, I think I would consider them. I would pick them to win. I think it would be a very strong upset potential, except maybe like Dallas. Shanghai is the only team where I am really just not sure if they can be able to hang. And like, I think and again, they can, but, though. I think that like no, it's okay to expect Shanghai to lose this. Like I think that is definitely something that's on the table. Shanghai getting wiped out before grand finals two years in a row would be the most frustrating thing for that team in the whole world. Well, they just have to go on the long run like um, 
like San Francisco did in Through their the first bracket. Yeah, yeah, San Francisco did it. Like, I, I'm, it's not impossible. It's been shown that it's been done by the tops, you know, a top seeded team. So I think there's definitely the possibility for Shanghai to do that. But like, this game could be a measuring stick. This could be our. This could be grand finals. Like that is possible. Very possible. One, one more match to cover for this week. Match four at eight thirty p.m. Atlanta Rain versus Chengdu Hunters. You know what? If we're going for an upset this week, I mean, we just talked about Shanghai versus San Francisco. I think there's still pretty strong upset potential if you look at numbers for the Atlanta Rain to take this game. Yes and no. Um, I think Atlanta Rain have the possibility to lose this one just as much as they do to win it. So I, I do think if you're putting odds on this one being the best one for upset potential, I guess. Yeah, I guess that would be the best one, but not by a lot. Like, like, I don't think there's a significant like upset, like odds percentage on this game compared to any of the other games, right? Like it's like a couple percentage points higher for this game compared to the other one. So I, I think that we we have a lot of interesting matchups and close matchups, but like Chengdu and Atlanta, they didn't have to do anything last week, right? They, they've been kind of idling. I don't think. Chengdu expected that Atlanta would be there for them to pick because obviously this is a matchup they must like because they had their pick between this and Philadelphia. And mm. the funniest part about this to me, too, was Gators like shock when Chengdu picked them and not Philadelphia. Like he was clearly ready to to talk smack with Depay and then he didn't get his opportunity and he was not prepared and he didn't know how to talk smack. And, and so he like egged him on and stuff and like Poor Zoe, I, I'm sh- pretty sure she got fined some money, too, because she she said she said shit and she said fuck on the broadcast. So <laughs> she she got fined for sure. But like it was a, she did so good. It was so impressive. And I was like, I was rooting for Zoe. I hope they don't find her because like what she did on there was awesome. So uh, this matchup, though, in particular, I think um, we've already seen it a little bit, and Chengdu did win it, so I think maybe Chengdu just felt confident they could do it again. Yeah. It'll be cool to compare. We have one more week to really go over these matchups, really salivate, really marinate in them. So it's not the word I should use, but whatever. Um, but yeah, games start on Tuesday, September 21st. Uh, day 2, September 22nd. We'll start at 4. It'll have the second round of the of the normal bracket and the first round of losers bracket. September 23rd, we'll have these like second round of losers bracket. And then the winner's final winner's final. So the 24th, we'll have the last two matches of losers bracket. And then yeah, grand finals will be September 25th at 6 PM Pacific time. You know what? I give the overwatch league at least some credit for the fact that they've decided that they're not going to go against football on Sunday for the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was a smart move. Like college football, yeah, like you're going against college football, but that's like that's a lot less daunting of a task than week two of the regular season for the NFL or week three. So uh, I think as far as planning goes, I like that they did that. I also like when it's a Saturday game because I can, uh, you know, I've got s- plenty of time. We get plenty of time to kind of soak it in for for Sunday to talk about it. So it works out in our favor here. But like just looking at this, I think we did end up with the six best te- or the eight best teams. I, I think so. 
I, I think the only one that it, you can't trade it out, you'd maybe trade out Washington for for Seoul. That'd be the only difference. But again, like not that you can do that anyways, different different conferences, um, East and West. So you did get the eight best teams that you could get in in this sort of scenario. It, you know, Philadelphia being able to beat Seoul the way they did, like Seoul just didn't deserve to be here. And Seoul did, which is weird in the play-ins. They were just thing, things that I wasn't expecting from them. I, I was a little bit surprised by by how Seoul ended up being in that game. But I I I have trouble. Like, I, I want to say that we see Dallas-Shanghai as our grand finals. But I have I could, no idea. I can see it being anybody. I I think the one thing that both of those teams, the, the biggest thing here to me is like, how much does the Winston stuff matter? Right. Mm-hmm. Because like, I think for Dallas, the best thing that happened was the fact that you don't have the rollout stuff being possible for, for the wrecking ball and that Winston is viable. Right. Because like you saw the difference for, for fearless when he's not on able to be on Winston or Reinhardt. And now you, you have a very big possibility. Like, like when we, the things we're going to definitely look at very closely next week, when we really can dive into this is like the, the composition, like there, there's definitely a little bit of a triangle happening as far as meta composition, not that they're meta, but like the three compositions that'll be most prevalent, right? Like there, there's going to be a lot of the tracer somber stuff with like the Winston diva, like that there's gonna be a lot of that um but there's also gonna be like anti-dive stuff too like clearly there are teams that have figured out that they can do that and do it very effectively like san francisco shock prime example so that's why like that game in particular is going to be really intriguing to see like okay this is maybe one of the best teams at doing those dive compositions in shanghai and this is a team that can play whatever composition they want in, in san francisco and seem to finally be able to do that again so like those are the matchups we're going to probably spend a lot of time on and stuff next week because there's there's definitely a lot that we're going to be able to see, at least if play-ins are any indication. I agree, sir. And we'll cover that next week on episode 120 of Push the Point. Um, looking forward to it. Thank you guys for hanging out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons or listening on whatever podcast platform you like to use. I think that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Unless you got anything else, Lobo. No, I'm just excited. Honestly, I'm more excited for like next week's episode to to kind of really dive into stuff because like I said, I think there's a lot of a lot of conversations that we can have about like what these teams are going to be able to do and like why I'm a little bit more weary weary about like the gladiators, you know, compared to like maybe Philly. Like, you know, we're not making predictions yet, but like that's going to be one I actually think that mode might be more poised for the upset than the Atlanta Chang do one. Now that I'm looking at it again, but we'll, we'll get to talk about that more next week. So we'll get there next week. Yes, sir. All righty. If you want to help us out, a great thing you can do is leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. It makes it easier for people to find us. Plus we get a great look at what you like and what we can make better about the show. We also invite you to join us in the Mash Loose Buttons community, which you can do by joining us on Discord. Discord.me slash Mash Buttons is the link where you can do that. Discord.me slash Mash Buttons, where you will get to keep up to date with your favorite shows from the network, a few of which you're going to hear right about us after we're done. Uh, if you're somebody like me playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14, we got you covered there. We got you covered for FGC, everything, anything. Go check out the community. There's a lot of cool people there, too, like Ja. Ja's a cool guy. And support Ja and the, the network because he does a lot of work 
And patreon.com slash mash those buttons is where you do that for as little as a dollar a month. You will directly support the network and get access to Patreon exclusive content. So please, please go and do that. And oh, yeah, I guess if you want to follow the podcast at Pushpoint POD is where you can do that for all of your Twitter notifications to let you know what's going on with the podcast, who's going to be on, what we're going to be talking about, anything, you know, polls, whatever else we might do. Push the point at gmail.com if you want to send us an email and send us something more long form. Yes, sir. If they want to find you specifically, Lobo, where's the best place to go? You can find my rants about the Chicago Bears at Lobosco. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of it, although Justin Fields, even though he got did get five snaps and looked pretty good in those five snaps. So who knows what's going to happen with that? But at L-O-B-O-S-C-O, and you can see me talking about Harold's chicken and whatever else I'm going to talk about. Nice. If you want to see me antagonize Labosco while he talks about the Chicago Bears and Harold's chicken, you can find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore OW. Trying to tweet more. I always say that. Uh, I think it's just that I assume most of my Twitter followers are not down for me randomly talking about music, pop punk stuff with people or about the fact that Labosco and I were talking about this. I had a friend um, who was in the same place as Nelly this week, like the rapper Nelly. And um, she introduced him to her boyfriend, not introduced him like face to face, but when the boyfriend asked who Nelly was, yeah, when the boyfriend asked who Nelly was, she goes, oh yeah, you know, Nelly from the longest yard, which is accurate, but it's just funny to think about like people being so removed from Nelly's music career that that's the first thing that comes up. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I, I bet like people do that with like Thomas Jones too, former Mm -hmm. bears running back who is like in Luke Cage and a bunch of other big time, like roles now as an actor so uh, some people that's what's you know you change career stuff and that's what happens people are gonna point out those other things it's it's a little funny though that's for sure for how big nelly's songs were all righty thanks for hanging out for episode 119 of push the point stay safe stay healthy and we will see you next week for the season finale of push the point no 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 the the penult the the penultimate episode of the season for coverage for Push the Point. I don't know. In so many words, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good evening or day. See you later. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 